You're listening to the Horse Tribe podcast with the founders of Horse Tribe. I'm Fia. And hello, this is Heidi. Each podcast is dedicated to you and your passion for everything horse. We'll be speaking to elite riders, equestrian experts and special guests, all focused on bringing you inspiration, insights and learning in a way that our Horse Tribe will enjoy. In today's podcast, we're really excited to talk to Georgia Plimley. Now spending most of her time training horses and coaching, Georgia's background is as a stunt rider and performer. So Georgia, welcome to the Horse Tribe podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we can't wait to hear more about you. Absolutely. Yeah, really excited. So, but let's go back in time a little bit. And I'm sure our listeners would love to get to know you a little bit more and to find out about where your passion for horses all started. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. Well, you know, yes, yes. Mostly please. it starts with the Shetland, but let's see with you. <laughs> it always starts with the Shetland. with the Shetland. Yes, I don't want to use that, you know, very overused line, but I'm going to say it anyway, that I definitely was riding before I could walk. My wow. mum was a big horsey, horsey lady and she got me on horses at a very early age. And yes, um, Shetland ponies and Welsh Section A's, um was where where's where the passion started and I think it's been one of those that my mum's probably at some points really regretted getting me into um but inevitably it just stuck once that bug's there you can't really get it out of your system can you no absolutely yeah yeah totally with you there um and are there any special ponies or horses that sort of you remember particularly I, uh, the one that stands out and we still have her is a pony called Fudge who we loaned a lot of ponies when um, when I was growing up and then when I was about nine my my mum bought me um, my first pony Fudge she paid 80 pounds for her and we went and picked her up um, from a yard in Cheshire and um, it was very apparent very quickly that she probably wasn't the most appropriate child's pony she was extremely naughty extremely um opinionated and challenging but I'm entirely grateful for having her actually and for um passing you know a large proportion of my childhood on her because I think I learned a lot and it made me um the rider I am today and um, it took away my fear actually of bucking and rearing and napping and it taught me how to deal with it because um yes fudge was a was a great challenge but she's She's an old lady now. She's retired in a in a field in the Staffordshire Moorlands, just living out her life quite happily. <laughs> Aww, how old is she now? Uh, she must be 32. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. She's yeah. an old, old lady. But um, yeah, Strawberry Roan, we could never quite figure out um, what breed she was. It wasn't in her passport. And she was one of those that looked like she could have a little bit of everything um, in her. But um, yeah, Fudge is probably the pony that really stands out. But I'll be honest, I've had there's quite a few horses um, I've worked with in my career that have been really significant and really um, sort of changed me as a horsewoman, actually, and, and taught me it taught me a lot. Tell us about some of the others. Mm. Um, so ones that st- I mean, there's so many that stand out, so many good horses. But um first horse I bought for myself when I was 18 um um 
a Welsh section D called Mojo and he was really where I started exploring the ideas of liberty and it was really from going to things like Horse of the Year show and Olympia and seeing performers like Jean-Francois Pignon performing and then going home and wishing I knew how to horse whisper and trying to figure it out and so Mojo was the horse where I really started to play with the idea of liberty and natural horsemanship um and actually now um mojo I, I eventually sold to a really good friend of mine ben ben atkinson and he's one of his main liberty horses now um ah, so, wow yeah. yeah his career went really really well and um ben absolutely loves him does a lot with him so um yeah mojo was a really special one and then I think the, the horse that's been most significant to me is um, Imbrugio. Uh, I call him Bruggi, who has been the stallion I've had for the past six years. I very, very recently have let him go to a competitive dressage home because he has all the capacity for a very successful dressage career, um, which I can be very honest and humble about that I have a certain level of dressage, but I'm, I'm never going to be a Grand Prix dressage rider. And um, I really wanted to see where that horse could go and how far he could go in the right hands. But Bruji, um, I suppose Mojo was the horse where I first started experimenting with the idea of liberty. And then Bruji, um, so Bruji's a, a black pre-stallion who I bought, he was born in Salamanca in Spain and I bought him whilst I was living in Belgium for a time and found him from a dealer out there. And he was just, um, the horse I really first found that true connection with and um, have been able to really progress myself in my understanding of horses and their language. Um, and I've been able to understand horses, I feel, on like a more profound level than ever from having gotten to understand him. And that would be quite, I think for a lot of people, they think, wow, with a stallion as well. I mean, how do you think that that came about finding such a strong connection with him just taking the time with him and being curious because I've always been curious I've always been curious about liberty and I think like a lot of horse you know a lot of equestrians we go to these county shows or these big horse events and we see these performers and it's sort of sold to us and marketed to us in this idea that this, these individuals have this like magical, almost supernatural connection with these horses. They can speak to these horses on this level that no one else can and they're gifted. And I was always, I suppose, a bit stuck on like, well, why, have, why ha haven't I got that? And um, Bruji was the horse where I figured out actually that anybody can do that. And it's about learning how to listen to the horse and it's about learning how to read, read the horse and opening up these channels of communication that um, are always there if you're just able to see them. And I think um, a lot of, I think a lot of the issues with sort of that people come across when they're, when they're having issues with their horses are always can come back to these issues of communication or having an expectation on the horse that the horse should be able to understand what we're expecting of them or the horse should learn what we're expecting of them. Whereas actually, if you reverse that idea, reverse that process and that psychology and think, well, actually, how can we better communicate with the horse for the horse to understand us and understand our expectations, then often you're going to, what I've found is that you, you achieve much better results um, and much quicker results. 
so yeah Brugy I know you mentioned about him being a stallion um because he he does have that um he's a very big horse especially for a Spanish he was touching on 17 hands which is um larger than the average Spanish horse he's quite heavy set he's got a thick bone and he's quite like imposing when um you see him but um I've never never felt threatened by him I've never felt um nervous around him but I think that's because we've had such a solid foundation of mutual understanding and mutual respect um and we found that organically like I, I never had lessons in liberty I've never um studied any of the sort of natural horsemanship methods or packages that you can buy I I just found my own way through him really mm, amazing and you mentioned about um stunt riders or liberty um performers I guess they would be termed as by by your average um horse lover wouldn't they that, that would be watching them they have this kind of magical special quality about them and we are truly inspired but it's it's being a stunt rider for example isn't a very common career path is it there's not that many of you around which I guess is leads to this kind of special specialness so tell us how you started along this career path and who who inspired you and who you said you haven't had lessons but who have you I guess absorbed and learned from along the way so um in terms of the stunt riding I mean I had a very very traditional and conventional um introduction to horses and that I did a lot of pony club and riding club a lot of unaffiliated events when I was younger I was really lucky that um my mum in particular really took the time and invested in them in giving me that time to take me to all those kind of things. Although I'll be honest, it wasn't financially the easiest thing for my family to do, but um, I, my parents always thought it was important to me. And um, and so, yeah, I had a very, very traditional sort of horsey background and the way, I think the way the stunt riding came about um, when I go back is um, I went to school with somebody whose family was involved in stunts in films and by and part of that they did a lot of horse stunts and they always we always almost always had a bit of banter between us that um, a bit of comp competition between us between, about the sort of riding styles that we did and um, one day he he said you should come and you should come and have a go you shouldn't be so judgmental you should come and have a go of this trick riding and see what it's all about and I did I went and had um, one lesson with him and um, I never looked back from there I think within 12 months I was quite set on wanting to do stunt riding as a career and um, my the first at least the first three years of the stunt riding career I was um, a specialist in trick riding and Roman riding so mm -hmm. trick riding is obviously when you're you might be hanging from a, a moving horse or jumping up and down from a horse or performing stunts or gymnastic movements um Roman ridings where you stand atop two horses and you might um gallop ground you might have races or go over jumps and that kind of thing um and so yeah I was always around within that those circles I was always around liberty trainers or watching them work but honestly for a good few years I never um really seriously thought that I'd be able to do it because I thought I had I had the missing link I thought I didn't have this sort of gift that they must have um and I'd sort of play around with things at home in private but I didn't really have the confidence to um 
in myself to think oh I could actually train a horse to to really do a high level of liberty um so I suppose over the years it was just from observing um different trainers around the world and there's one in particular who's a very good friend of mine now it's a lady called Laura Bortler who's German and I met her in um I was working on a horse show in China called Cavalier and she was a <coughs> performer on that and we became very good friends she was my housemate and um she was one of the trainers who really opened my eyes to um sort of say like Georgia this isn't a gift that I have it's a process that I've learned and I've had to figure out and you can do that too um and she's actually living in London now and I saw her yesterday oh, um, yeah which is ironic because I've not seen her for months so <laughs> but oh, brilliant yeah to be talking about her now but um yeah um that's pretty much how it's all come about and blossomed so um for most everyday riders we are trying to stay on a horse rather than throw ourselves on and off them as you do as, as a stunt rider so where does your confidence come from in stunt riding because you said you were hooked and you just kind of wanted to do it so where does it come from <laughs> that confidence I was definitely hooked but I wasn't confident straight away okay <laughs> So it's how did it build? Yeah, what happened? It's um, it's definitely that something that just takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work. Um, and it's one of the things that I really loved about trick riding from the beginning is, like you say, um, it's not a natural thing to throw yourself or upside down off a well off anything, let alone a moving animal at high speed. Um, so there is this real mental test where. Um, your whole body is telling you everything instinctive is telling you don't do this and you have to really get a hold of your brain and um, really have a good mindset to be able to overcome that and that's one of the things that I found really really enjoyable about trick riding was sort of having the mental strength to do it which is not always easy and it's a real test of yourself um, I suppose asking how, how I find that confidence, it came a lot of the time from the people around me, um, being in the hands of really, really good trainers. So my main trainer was a lady called Annie Hansen, who um, she's based in um, Leek in Staffordshire, um, but she she's South African and she was a trapeze artist in the circus for a long time and a trick rider in the circus around Europe. So um, I was really, really privileged to be able to learn from Annie because she is um, one of the best in terms of trainers that there are out there and really thorough, um, really safe and just really knows what she's doing um, and quite an old school um, trainer as well with the sense of discipline, which I'm really glad I had that because um, we're increasingly seeing that sort of being lost <laughs> um, as the years go by. Um, so yeah I would definitely credit my confidence to have it being in the hands of the right trainer mm, yeah I think I think that is the same whether you're a stunt rider or or um any kind of rider having the right people around you is yeah with a growth mindset with a positive mindset is always a good thing isn't it massively massively I've actually so my uh, my mum has only ever been to see me perform once um and she we sort of came to a mutual agreement that after she'd first seen me, she wouldn't come again because um, she was so nervous. She and found it so difficult to watch that she made herself sick and 
her nerves made me um, doubt myself. And the, the, the points where you are at risk in stunt riding is when you're not fully committed to what you're doing and when your mind's half-hearted. So we kind of mutually decided that it was better for everybody if she just didn't come and watch me again. <laughs> she can watch the film, the video afterwards. Yeah, watch the yeah. <laughs> And was there ever times when things didn't go to plan, you know, in from the stunt riding perspective? Oh, yeah. I, I've um, touched wood. I have to say I've been really lucky. Um, and I think that is down to the fact that we plan for every eventuality. And you don't just learn how to trick ride, but you learn how to get yourself out of really bad situations. You've learned how to get yourself away from a horse or fall correctly if you're going to fall. Um, so yeah, falling off com becomes quite a pass part and parcel um, part of the job um, where things have gone wrong. I suppose what one of the scariest moments I had was um, I was just doing a live show on a horse that had just come back from a filming job and I hadn't been told that the horse had been taught to fall itself. And there's a very specific cue for teaching a horse how to fall over. And um, you, you essentially turn the horse's head to a certain side. And once the horse has been taught to fall, you need to be very aware of that because you can obviously get the horse to fall on you at any point should you cue it. Um, and anyway, long story short, I was on this horse. I just went for a trick in a gallop sat up and went went to pull the horse up and inadvertently cued the horse and it fell over on me and um the reason it was so dangerous was in certain tricks and stunts that you do you actually secure yourself or attach yourself in the saddle in a way that you can't then get out of it um so I was essentially tied to a horse that was falling over <laughs> Um, and couldn't get away from. Um, I was lucky in that scenario that I, I managed to walk away from it, but um, I was, I've always been very aware of the fact that was probably my closest call. That sounds very, very, very frightening. <laughs> and then presumably you got back on and did another one another day. And yeah, yeah I always get straight. I mean, because he'd fell, I think um, I, I, let, I walked out of the arena and just we obviously obviously like check the horse is OK before carrying on anything. But like I say, you just um, with the stunts and the tricks, you have to have this mentality of just like carrying on and um, not being defeated by, um, you know, if you have hairy moments, you can't let them play into your mind because it's just going to make you more at risk. Um, going forward yeah absolutely and so you talked a little bit about um you know looking on at liberty and thinking I, i'd like to do that and meeting you know, some some great liberty trains but how did your career evolve from stunt riding being the main part to now your liberty training and that being a main focus of what you do if if i'm honest what's um what's been the catalyst is being becoming a mother mm. um before I had my son I very very rarely ever took into account the risks that I was taking doing the trick and stunt riding um I I was I'm a very happy person but I certainly never worried for my life or thought oh I've got a lot to lose if this all goes wrong I was very much enjoying what I was doing and then after I had my son four years ago, I did start to, it was always there in the back of my mind that ultimately 
it isn't the safest thing to be doing. <laughs> Horses are already um, a high risk sport um, at the best of times. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm definitely sort of at the higher end of the risk. So that was sort of playing into my mind. Um, that also, I felt like on some levels I'd peaked in my career as a stunt rider. It's the same as any sort of athlete's career or, for example, a ballerina's career in that you are always going to do you're always going to do your best when you're young and when your body is at its strongest. And um, again, after I had my son, I felt like my body just wasn't quite the same as it was before. Um, I used to be able to do like weeks of shows where I do shows every single day and I'd feel fine and then after I had my son I remember I went and did my first weekend of shows and on the Monday I felt like I couldn't walk I felt like I'd been hit by a bus and um, I remember thinking wow I've, I've really maybe got to start like my body's not the same as it was and I am getting older um, and I've just got to start to look after it a little bit more and I, things started to show in that I had knee injuries would start popping up and doctors would be saying oh if you carry on down this road you're going to be needing a double knee replacement by the time you're 35 <laughs> and no. everything was signaling to me just pull back and um at the same time I'd bought Brugie and um started working with him in Liberty so it sort of was just a natural evolution that made sense um and I'm really been happy with the way it's been going yeah, brilliant. brilliant and so tell us a bit about how you work with people and their horses now what problems do you help them solve with with liberty so, I mean it's such a range to be honest um a, a lot I'll be honest in that a lot of the time people will come to me not necessarily wanting to learn liberty I'll have people who will come with different behavioral problems whether it's I can't get my horse on the trailer or I can't leave my horse to the field without it bolting or I can't hack out my horse because it's too spooky. And whatever the issue is, I all it always, always comes back to this very simple foundation of, well, what what is the relationship between you and your horse? And I know there's a risk of that sounding quite sort of like airy fairy and cheesy and I remember myself being that equestrian who would hear about the energy and the connection and sort of categorize it in my head as something a little bit dreamy and unrealistic but it's quite hard to define but there really is what I found is there in almost every issue that people come to me with, it's almost always an issue of the relation, ultimately of the relationship between the horse and the person. Because if that horse has trust in you, the horse will do anything. And you can create this amazing partnership and create the dream team that um, seems so unattainable to so many people, I think. I think there is almost like an epidemic in confidence, actually, with horse owners. It's unbelievable how many, um, how many clients I have who will come to me with the confidence absolutely on the floor, whether it's handling the horse or riding the horse on a hack or taking the horse to a, out in a venue. Um, there's this real lacking of, of confidence, and I feel like 
it's ultimately because there's this huge gap in knowledge in the equestrian community about how to really communicate with horses and how to how to have this harmonious relationship with them because once you have it like I say um that resolves everything because if a horse trusts you all those problems go away um and it's something that I'm really trying to sort of push out there into the equestrian community that is this idea of instead of thinking okay my horse has a problem what's wrong with my horse just put up the mirror and reflect a little bit because if you think about it like scientifically horses are herd creatures they instinctively and in the way they survive take their social cues and signals from the herd around them so if you put that into the context of you taking a horse on a hack on that hack the only other member of its herd the only other member of its team that it has is you as its rider and if you're nervous that horse is going to feel those en that energy and think well if my rider's nervous that's a signal to me that there's something that's a risk to me or there's something I should be nervous about and that's inherent in a horse it's it's the way they are they're built is to feel those um social cues in the body language and to feel that energy from you and then you get this vicious circle of then the horse becomes spooky or the horse becomes nervous which in turn makes the rider even worse and then this it's like this circle that escalates um and and then like I say I'll get somebody who will phone me and say my horse has got an issue it's really spooky when ultimately the issue when it really comes down to it is that that rider needs to learn to be the provider of confidence for the horse that rider needs to learn that it can't expect the horse to have confidence on that hack if that rider doesn't find that confidence within themselves so it, it's it's quite I know it's quite a controversial idea sometimes for people to get their their minds around but I really feel strongly that we can help horses and all help each other if we sort of look to ourselves and take the responsibility as horse owners and riders and handlers of educating ourselves as to how we can better deal with different situations. So give um, give our audience a flavour of, of what you might do if somebody rang you and said I'm, I'm having a few issues with my horse, say, say the loading Mm -hmm. example yeah just give them a flavor of uh, you know what would you do with that person so loading's a real classic and the first thing I would probably ask them is how many times have they without any pressure without any expectation of going anywhere how many times have they actually taken the horse to the trailer and given it a chance to acclimatize with the trailer because it's amazing how it happens all the time. People will ring me and say they won't load, but every chance they've ever given the horse to load into a trailer is when, okay, they need to go somewhere. So they get out the trailer and then, right, let's try and get the horse on it. And there's never, there's almost never been, in many scenarios anyway, I know I'm generalizing, but I think just giving the horse a chance when there is no pressure to go anywhere or be somewhere at a certain time or, just giving the horse a chance to be exposed to a horse trailer I mean the first thing I would say to anybody who had a problem with their horse getting on the trailer is right well have you gone and parked that trailer in the field and put its feeds in the trailer for a few weeks so the horse gets used to walking in and out just of its own accord to be fed in there just that is in some way going to acclimatize the horse acclimatize the horse with the environment of a trailer um and you know it's again it's this 
idea that as humans we sort of expect that the horse should understand the context like we expect the horse should be able to understand the context of a trailer and should should walk on the trailer and should be fine inside a trailer but a trailer is not a normal place for a horse to be trailers don't pop up in the wild and horses don't interact with trailers (laughs) so it's almost so unreasonable to expect the horse to just walk on the trailer and be fine in a trailer if you've never given the chance for the horse to get to know a trailer so mm-hmm. that would be my first approach was take off the pressure spend some time with the horse in like around the trailer um I've done it where with horses that when people say I can't get him near a trailer where okay well let's go and park the trailer up outside the stable and we'll spend an afternoon with the horse on the lead rope and a few carrots and just sit on the ramp and it might take you hours but give it hours like see how long it takes you to get the horse on that ramp and um just don't give up if that makes a sense if that makes sense I think um the other thing with trailers as well is um is I think that that's the main thing with for me about trailers is people don't take the time for things and with any type of training if you take the time to set a precedent or take the time to make a routine out of something or take the time to give the horse chance to do the right thing and learn and understand and the horse is almost always going to do the right thing in the end the problem is that they've not been given the opportunity to do the right thing if that makes Mm. sense yeah Yeah, I think time is the word that keeps coming up isn't it because we've all we've you know we've got a schedule we've got a very small amount of time to dash home from work, get the horse on the trailer and get to that clinic because we, we want to enjoy it. And it can it, could, it can just cause stress. And as you say, they then pick up on on that negative energy. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, I don't want to make it sound like a TD, like, for example, with a ho- training a horse to load onto a trailer, it might take a whole afternoon one day or it might take a few days where you spend a few hours each day taking the time for that horse but once you've done that once you've taken the time you've you'll have a horse that has trust in that environment or understands the environment or you you'll have established sorry I'm just getting a phone call coming through I knew that was going to happen (laughs) um but yeah you've got you've got to take the time to to create this horse that is going to do things the way you'd like it to do if that makes sense um but see everybody would always say to me about Brugie for example the stallion people would say all the time you are so lucky to have such perfect horse you're so lucky to have such a good horse and I always said he is good I am very lucky but he did not start like that and it took a lot of it just took um a lot of concentrated effort over the first year of having him to you know establish establish clear boundaries and to you know be strict with myself on not letting him pick up bad habits especially as a stallion because I knew that you know if you don't have clear boundaries with stallions and you know a clear line of respect then things can quickly snowball and become dangerous and so I just for the first year really took the time with him of going through you know going through all the basics to have a really nice foundation and then everything else thereafter became very easy um he actually was a really bad loader when I got him so Brugie the stallion would not um 
get on the trailer when the transporters went to pick him up for me they rang me and said we can't get him on um yeah and I think like four hours later he arrived and um the 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 lorry was like bouncing oh god they got him on but how yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and um and you know I had the same thing with him I I made the mistake of um, not taking the time to practice it with him and then when I had to take him somewhere every single time it would be that challenge where you'd have a group of people all like getting involved and everybody trying to like get the horse on the get the horse onto the trailer and it, it never got better until I, I was like I've had enough of this and he's like he's not happy and he's not comfortable and um I got I'd get the trailer out and like leave it parked up in the in the yard and I spent like a week where every single day I'd just get him take it could take me hours but I'd just take that time for him that he needed and after that week he essentially like walked on on of his own accord thereafter he was amazing and I don't think anybody who knows Brugie would believe me if I said oh he was a terrible loader at one point um but yeah it's just taking that time you know that they need or um if there's a bad behavior or a bad habit or something your horse is scared of it's just taking the time to um taking the time they need and giving them a chance to approach it in a positive way or get their heads around it because they're not necessarily coming at it in the same way that we are yeah Brilliant. Now you, you talked about him going to a wonderful dressage home and Mojo's gone to Ben. So what horses do you have at the moment, if any? Um, so I bred a colt from Brugie who has just turned one and he's um, very lucky in that he's in the pasture just down the road from my house. So I get to walk to him every day and spend a bit of time with him um so he's sort of he's my baby at the moment but obviously being so young I'm just letting him be a horse and just going and doing a bit of handling here and there which is nice because it gives me the time and flexibility to concentrate on working with other people and their horses um but I have got a bit of a hankering to maybe take an x-racer or (laughs) or um go to one of the horse auctions and and buy something that's maybe a little bit of a bit bit wild or a bit of a challenge and and seeing what I can make of it um mm. but it's something I'm just playing with in my head at the moment <laughs> exciting so when yeah. uh, when William goes to school you'll be working on your project then <laughs> yeah that's it that's it whether the project is is work or playing with horses it all sort, yeah. sort of falls past part and parcel of the same thing <laughs> Brilliant. fantastic and you'll be coming um we're really excited you'll be coming to do some webinars for the horse tribe um we've got three booked in now so we've one around liberty one about being safe um with your horses and also about how to be a trick rider which is mm. more fascinating um, we've heard a little bit about the liberty and a bit about being a trick rider. What's the the being safe one going to be all about? So the Ride Safe project that I sort got in mind at the moment that I'd like to be talking about in that webinar is the fact that as a trick rider, it was essential to be taught how to deal with really dangerous situations and how to react in them and how to fall from a horse in a safe way. <coughs> <coughs> pardon me 
And I found that as a rider today and as a horse trainer, that foundation of training has given me so much confidence. Um, and as a trainer and somebody that works with a lot of other riders, I can see how I feel like this is lacking in the equestrian community, this idea of educating yourself as to how to fall in a safe way and how to deal with really bad situations. Um, so essentially the webinar is about that. It's about if you're going to fall from the horse, what are the certain things that you can do that can perhaps prevent a very severe injury from happening? Um, and again, it seems a bit bizarre to me because in the national jockey schools, they do all this training for the jockeys and it's scientifically backed up and it can it can potentially be life-saving. Um, that's not to say it always is, and there's never any ways to guarantee, as you can, as you obviously as, know as horsewomen, there's never any way to sort of guarantee absolutely safety on a horse, but there are ways that you can, you know, prevent it and give yourself a better chance. So um, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to get out into the equestrian community and pass on the information that I've learned with the hope that it, if it might help other riders in those situations and or inspire confidence in riders as well. Um, I think that falling off is something a lot of riders can relate to being so afraid of and can be really restricting when you're in the saddle. If you've got this fear of coming off the horse, it can stop you really riding or engaging with the horse that sometimes you'd need to because you might be afraid of pushing certain buttons or you might be afraid of pushing through in moments where you as a rider you really should but if you've always got this fear in the back of your mind of falling off falling off as a horse rider is inevitable and uh, you know it, you're going to fall off at some point so if knowing how to fall in a safe way if it's as simple as knowing to tuck your chin in because this reduces the chance of having a spinal injury if you tuck your chin to your chest if these little details can help help save that fear then I think it's a good thing to know Absolutely. oh that's yeah. gonna be a really interesting one yeah, really, <laughs> we've both me, come off a few times haven't we <laughs> yeah for me for quite I was quite was quite good at it for a while as I did it a lot not that I was good at how I did it <laughs> but no Prolific. I think to, get, yeah. to get on without fearing how you're going to be exiting is yeah would make a massive difference yeah yeah I did um I've done a couple of talks on this to sort just to sort of tentatively to see what the kind of reaction would be and the feedback's been fantastic and one of the things that I've had fed back to me repeatedly is people coming and saying oh I, I've never realized you know I've been so scared of falling but actually if I can accept the fact that falling at some point probably is inevitable you know if I can accept it and live with that but know that I'm safer or better equipped to deal with that by knowing these things or knowing how to fall in a certain way or knowing that if I put myself in this position or if I remember these things I'm going to be safer that really helps you cope with the idea that falling off is a possibility mm, yeah no brilliant really good psychology absolutely um what's been your most memorable horsey moment so far there's been loads yeah um 
Oh gosh, um, there are loads. I, there's one moment that I had like an out of body experience on a horse um, that I'll never forget. And that's when I was working, um, again, when I was working in China and um, I was, I'll be honest, when I joined that team, when I, when I started that job, I was by far the least superior rider. I was amongst some very, very good um, riders of all walks of life. There were dressage riders and Western riders. And um, as sort of a young girl, just sort of at the beginning of her career, it was a really interesting environment to go into. But even amongst that team, we got to work with, there was about 20 horses um, there was one horse who um, he was a big, bright bay um, Spanish stallion and all the riders were terrified of him. And there was only one. There was a, a Portuguese dressage rider who got to ride him and nobody else would go near him. And everybody was in fear of him because he was very apparently people would describe him as neurotic and very difficult. And I remember being quite new and all the riders would sort of speak about this horse with fear. And um, then this, this horse's Portuguese rider went home for a few weeks and he came to me and he said, I need somebody to keep um, riding the, the stallion and I'd like you to do it. And I was in complete shock and um, <laughs> anxiety because I, I didn't peg myself as, as a particularly strong rider there um and also from what everybody else had told me about this horse I, I was a little bit <laughs> uncomfortable um but he he sort of took me to one side um away from all the other riders and he said I want you to forget anything ever, anybody's told you about this horse and I want you to come down to the stables at five in the morning when I've gone and I want you to bring him into the arena arena on a neck rope without the bridle and he said, and I would just want you to like feel him and think about the dressage lessons you've been having while you're here. And I just want you to just just see what happens. And in complete trust and faith <laughs> and probably naivety, um, he went off on his holiday. And lo and behold, at five o'clock in the morning, I found myself at the arena with this horse with a piece of rope around its neck. And I got on absolutely shaking. And within 15 minutes, I was doing one time flying changes down the diagonal with a neck rope on and canter half past and pirouettes. And I was performing dressage movements on him that I was only just learning how to ride on a, on a normal horse with a bridle. And um, it basically what, what when this rider came back and he sort of took me into the context of it is this horse had been broken in really poorly in Spain and had a really bad relationship with the bit and had a lot of psychological damage in relation to the bit so when it was being ridden with a bridle it was basically a really unhappy horse but when you took the concept when you took that bridle away um he was completely transformed and yeah it, I, I just remember I can remember it now being on him and just living this complete like revelationary moment where I sort of felt like I was um watching myself from from afar <laughs> wow that was yeah. incredible goosebumps yeah. moment yeah, yeah absolutely oh my goodness mm -hmm. well from goosebumps to funny stories there's there are I'm sure again there are a lot of funny stories that, uh, in your career but what would be one that you would share with the horse tribe from along the way 
yeah, I'm glad you gave me a heads up about this question. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to think of like you say something that um is a clean and appropriate <laughs> story, but um I think the, something that happened quite recently is before Brutie went to the this um dressage home, I took him out um hunting, trail hunting. Um, as a bit of a dare because people wouldn't <laughs> believe that I would and um, I'd not been out on the field for a very long time but he was fantastic and we were jumping like hedges and popping all these great fences and then um, there was a particular fence that I could see some horses in the field were going to and then turning away from and I thought I was getting a bit confident at this point and I trusted Brugie with everything. So I thought, okay, Bru, come on, we can do this. We'll show them how it's done. And so we set off towards this fence and then about two strides out, I realized it was an absolute swamp, like quagmire in front of the fence. And he was like more than knee deep in mud. And it was quite a big, um, quite a big rail. And I just thought, oh, well, he's still going. So he's confident. So I'm just going to trust him and just let my reins go and see what happens. And he jumped the jump, cleared it. And then he came down the other side and I thought he was going to fall. So I did a classical trick rider exit and ejected myself <laughs> out of the saddle. Ended up in, um, like in the mud on the other side. Um, but he didn't fall. He just carried on. So I basically just threw myself off a horse for no reason. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> everybody was looking at me like, why is she on the floor? Because there was absolutely no reason for that to happen. I did like an emergency exit. <laughs> it hit the eject button too early. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily with him being a Liberty horse, I did like, it did cross my mind, right? Stallion loose on the field, but he stopped and he turned around and he canted straight back to me. I was like so grateful for him in that moment. Oh, but, um, also deeply humiliated. <laughs> That's brilliant. The relationship came in handy. So that leads us on to what would your, Top, what would one top tip that you would share that's relatable for the horse tribe today? I'm sure there'll be more to come in the webinars, but just something to, to leave them with today. I think based on what we've been speaking about is um, if you're curious about something or you have a goal with your horse, but you feel like it's not achievable for you. I really believe that anything is achievable if you have the right approach and the right curiosity and you're willing to go about it in the right way I really think horses will do anything for you if you have that right connection with them so I think the main takeaway would be like have confidence and um be curious love that brilliant. love that top tip that's brilliant <laughs> thank you so are we I mean We've been chatting for a while. We just loved it. We've drifted away with you today. We've had a brilliant, brilliant time. So thank you for helping our listeners get to know you better as well. It's always, it's brilliant to see all of our experts and elite riders in action, but it's really nice to get to know them as human beings as well and, and where their passion has come from. So thank you so much. Um, it'd be great if you would like to tell everybody where they can find you as well, if they want to know more about you. So social and website, etc. Yeah, fantastic. So it's um my Instagram and socials is GP underscore horse trainer. 
and the website's www.learnliberty.co.uk and I'm on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Amazing. Oh, I have a look at you on TikTok. Need to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> There's another place we can get lost for a few hours as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I all know what that's like. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Georgia. We look forward to seeing you at the webinars. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Horse Tribe podcast. We'd love you to subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share it with your horse tribe. So keep tuning in for more episodes with elite riders, equestrian experts and special guests.